Ferrar. On this week's episode of Capital and Scott, we have Eric Harrison, critic at large for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. After two years of the pandemic, the art scene in Little Rock and elsewhere around the state is ramping back up with live performances and other events. Harrison joins me to talk about the arts and culture scene, what is slated for this year, and the health of the industry as we hopefully near the end of the pandemic. So, Eric, thank you for joining us today to talk about the art scene in Little Rock and how things are kind of ramping back up after the pandemic has gotten better. So what's going on right now in Little Rock and in coming months with some of the major players in the arts world here? Well, let's see. The Arkansas Repertory Theater is gearing up for its first full season after the pandemic. They've got a slate of five shows Uh, opening in September with Laughter on the 23rd Floor by Neil Simon, uh, which is noteworthy for the uh, inclusion uh, in the starring role of uh, film actor, stage actor Judd Reinhold, who is going to be playing the... uh, The show is set in the writer's room of a uh, TV variety comedy show, sort of loosely based on Sid Caesar, and Reinhold plays the Sid Caesar character, who's as uh, they describe as being slightly nuts. And the young writers, uh, who uh, in real life included Woody Allen, Neil Simon, and uh, Mel Brooks, all have be represented by uh, uh, characters uh, in the play. They're doing two big uh, butts and seats musicals uh, for Christmas. They're doing Guys and Dolls, classic musical by Frank Lesser. In the spring, they'll be doing uh, Little Shop of Horrors by the team uh, Howard Ashman and Alan Menken, who did uh, uh, Little Mermaid for Disney and uh, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, uh, and um, by the way, they made their film debuts in the film version of uh, Little Shop, which was uh, based on a 1950s uh, Roger Corman cult classic that uh, was the, noted for its uh, introduction of uh, Jack Nicholson as a, a masochistic dental patient. <laughs> uh, they're doing a small-scale comedy called Every Brilliant Thing, which will be done in their black box theater. It's a one-actor show. And they'll wrap the season up in uh, June of 2023 with a, a play called Clyde's by Lynn Nottage. It's a group of former inmates who are uh, uh, finding their way out of prison and into a society uh, running a sandwich shop. The season is uh, getting underway in September, and they're very proud of it, uh, by the way. Uh, You can uh, buy season tickets at uh, therep.org. Uh, the Arkansas Symphony is uh, in the middle of a conductor search. Their next season, 22-23, will feature five guest conductors and their artistic director, and all of them should probably be considered finalists for the permanent conductor job, which has been vacant since uh, Philip Mann left the podium at the end of the 2018-2019 season. Uh, Mann, by the way, is uh, now the music director of the Texarkana Symphony, so he hasn't gone far. The five guest conductors, four of them uh, conducted here in the previous season, uh, Stephen Mulligan, Akiko Fujimoto, Andrew Crust, and Matthew Kramer all made uh, one appearance, and uh, the symphony is saying 
these are conductors that the musicians want to see a second time. Uh, they are not saying definitely that they are finalists for the job, but uh, again, they should all be considered uh, because they're coming back at the musician's request. Uh, they will, of course, be kind of showing off different musical repertoire than they conducted the first time they were here. There's one conductor, uh, Vladimir Kulinovich, who uh, is making his first appearance, but he had been scheduled to conduct in the 2020 season in concerts that were canceled because of the pandemic. So I think they want to get a look at him as well. And then the sixth candidate is uh, Jeffrey Robson, who is the artistic director who has been shepherding the orchestra through its artistic uh, paces since man left. And he uh, formerly was the associate conductor. So the musicians are, of course, very familiar with him when he's not on the podium. He's playing in the uh, violin section. Are most, so most of these are, are local or some of them, like, is it a nationwide? No, uh, it's a, a nationwide, uh, what they would normally consider to be international. But uh, most of these conductors are coming from outside the area. Uh, Jeffrey, of course, is uh, should be considered a hometown guy. And Akiko Fujimoto, interestingly enough, although she is the music director of a small orchestra in Texas, is married to uh, is uh, Getzoff, who is the uh, music director of the Conway Symphony and teaches at the uh, University of Central Arkansas. So she lives here. It's a short commute down, down Interstate 40. She actually conducted the world premiere of a piece uh, in her first appearance, and they want to give her uh, uh, some different repertoire to work with. And she is the only one of the uh, uh, six conductors who is picking her own pieces. The rest of them are, are working from a playbook that uh, Jeff Robson put together for them. She is substituting the Beethoven Leonora Overture Number no. 3 for what originally had been scheduled to be Beethoven Symphony Number no. 4 and a couple other pieces. So uh, uh, they gave the guest conductors the chance to do their own programming, and she's the only person who actually chose to do so. They were working with soloists and pieces that had been previously chosen. And basically, you, those things are contracted out far enough in advance so you don't tinker with those when you're setting up a, a guest conductor program on short notice. Again, all five of, actually all six of them really should be considered candidates for the job. The uh, uh, symphony board has a search committee that consists of board members, musicians from the orchestra, uh, and staff from the orchestra, and they will make the ultimate decision. There will also be a uh, program in place for uh, audience members to comment, uh, which is consistent with the way they've done uh, conductor searches in the past. Uh, in the past, they, what they did was hand out surveys at the concerts for people to fill out. They're not going to do that, uh, but you will be able to opt in to receive an email survey and make your voice heard. It. I'm not sure how much it'll actually factor into the decision. I mean, is this a fairly competitive position, and is it a, considered a stepping stone to something bigger? I mean, you mentioned that Philip Mann went to, I think you said Texarkana. Texarkana. Well, invariably, most of these candidates have been assistant or associate conductors for major orchestras. But it is important in a lot of cases so, to be able to do, run your own orchestra. And it can be a stepstone to bigger things. It can also be a, uh, a position from which you can operate to do a lot of guest conducting. Man did, 
And the advantage here is that the orchestra is stable. It's in the black at a time when a lot of orchestras are in financial uh, difficulty. Man's predecessor, uh, David Itkin, for example, was it him or his predecessor? Anyway, he went to conduct in Las Vegas and was not there very long before that orchestra went sort of belly up. Uh, they had uh, some financial difficulties and, and some scandals, and it was kind of a plum position until it fell apart. So, uh, as I said, a lot of these people are already conducting uh, on a associate or assistant basis in bigger orchestras, but the, it is a big advantage to be able to come and have your own, you know, have your own band. Sure. And before we get to what we know right now about the Arkansas Arts Center, I did want to ask you, in terms of the rep and the symphony orchestra, how have they managed to survive during almost, what, two years of no performances because of the pandemic? Well, the symphony survived by doing alternate performances. They did a lot of stuff online. They set up a very innovative program called Bedtime with Bach, where they, the musicians uh, played out of their own homes, most of them, uh, sometimes solo pieces, sometimes pieces with uh, other members of their family, uh, which then they did online, and they were very popular. They got lots of uh, uh, streaming views, uh, and it enabled the orchestra to continue to pay its members through a period of time where they couldn't perform in public. They also did some ensemble work uh, online. People in this town are very supportive of their arts organizations. So the symphony managed to maintain its funding, for example. The Repertory Theater is a different case in that they had a a financial collapse a few years ago. They uh, sort of overextended themselves. They were in terrible financial shape. They were a couple million dollars in debt. And they had a major fundraising campaign. They changed their artistic management, brought in Will Trice, who was a hometown guy, but had been working as a producer, a Tony-winning producer on Broadway, as the combination artistic and executive director. And he helped to get them back on, on its feet. He's been very instrumental in bringing in a lot of name players from New York and Broadway uh, it's his relationship with Judge Reinhold, for example, that enables them to do a, a collaborative piece here in the coming season. Basically, they, they rebuilt that theater from the ground up. Uh, they also went through kind of a terrible shock when their founder, Cliff Baker, passed away a couple of years ago, almost in the middle of the rebuilding process. And he had been instrumental in, in the fundraising campaign to bring the theater back. And... Presumably, the the success of the reps shortened previous season enables them to go confidently forward into the next one. They are, I think, they also proved uh, with a the productions, a couple of those productions this past season, uh, which were largely uh, locally cast, including uh, uh, Stephen Sondheim's Into the Woods, that they can go forward with large scale musicals with local casts that will cost them less money and bring them better uh, crowds. Into the Woods was uh, extended for a week because they sold the tickets for it. And I think that uh, this has shown their management that uh, just bringing folks in from New York and Chicago is not necessarily the, the panacea. 
to keeping them on the stage. So what do we know about the Arkansas Arts Center right now? What's going on with with opening and whatnot? Well, we know that they are pretty much on track to open what's now called the Museum of Fine Arts uh, in the fall. We don't know exactly when. The, the entire operation over there has been uh, less than transparent about what they've got scheduled, what will be there when they open. Uh, they issue a, an occasional press release. But uh, there have been a lot of complaints in the community in particular about how closed in the management is uh, in controversies, for example, over the uh, Terry Fletcher Terry House which the art center has been administering. Basically, it's been like uh, trying to get blood from a stone. Uh, So we are very short on specifics. Uh, We hope that as we get closer to the actual opening, they will be a little bit more open about what they have have planned and what people will see when they get in there. Uh, It's interesting because at one point they were very open about bringing people in for tours of the facility as it was under construction and uh, what the uh, architectural plans would be. And all of a sudden, that sort of dried up. So we're really kind of not very well informed about what what the final product will be. We do know that they will have some sort of children's theater reinstalled. It's always been a major money maker for them, so I'm sure that they would be uh, uh, more than willing to to keep that going. But what actually it will look like once it's up and running, we we just don't know. I mean, I've heard some speculation that there are some type of problems. I don't know what specifically. Is that your sense that something is not on track with opening the new building? Well, certainly it was delayed. It was originally scheduled for May. We don't know exactly what the problem may be or may not be. Of course, almost all of the area building projects have had some kind of construction delays. But uh, what exactly the complication is, they're not telling us. Well, I guess we'll find out more and see if it opens in the fall. You've been covering arts here since 1977. Yes. Yep. So I do the math, 40 years or so. We wanted to talk a little bit today about just how things have evolved in Little Rock with the art scene since you started. Well, when I got here, there was an art center uh, that did some major exhibitions. They had a children's theater that was in a fledgling state. In fact, at the time, it was being run basically as a children's company doing theater for children. That has since evolved into a a professional company that does children's theater and also tours. The symphony had been around for 10 years, but still was sort of half professional, half amateur. The repertory theater had been around for a year, originally started as the Arkansas Philharmonic. We mentioned Cliff Baker was its founder. In 77, they had just moved from a storefront on Cavanaugh Boulevard into a former church on the east side of MacArthur Park. And we're getting adjusted to that physical space. Really, I guess the Community Theater of Little Rock, which had been around since the mid-50s, was thriving and doing shows at the Art Center. Uh, I remember a production of The Music Man around 1979, 1980, that had a cast of 76, one for each trombone. 
there were uh, uh, University of Arkansas at Little Rock had a theater program, but mostly you uh, you couldn't really consider this a cultural desert. But it was very small scale, and a lot of it was based on the fact that it was the state capital and the largest city in the state. Uh, you did get some touring Broadway productions through what was then known as the Broadway Theater Series, which has now uh, been absorbed by Celebrity Attractions, was bringing in professional shows at what was then called Robinson Auditorium, four or five shows a year. And they also brought in uh, variety acts. There was a duo piano team called Markham and Broadway that was performing at Markham and Broadway, which they didn't really make a big deal out of, but probably should have as a, a promotion. There were some university productions here and there. You saw some of that come in. It's amazing, though, that uh, the profile artistically of the town has grown. We now have a professional dance company, Ballet Arkansas, in the early 2000s, uh, basically converted over to a full-time professional company. And they're doing four or five productions a year to uh, artistic and critical acclaim. Uh, we have a professional opera company uh, that just went through a transition, a uh, change in management and a change in perspective, I guess you could call it. This season they're doing a focus on black composers, black artists, including a, a fully staged opera by William Grant Still, who is Arkansas-based. Of course, he's now dead many years, but he was uh, originally from the Little Rock area. They're going to bring in a couple of uh, uh, internationally famous black singers to do programs. Uh, they're going to do a concert version of Porgy and Bess. Interestingly enough, they're going to do it in the, at the Hall, which is a uh, an increasingly versatile performance venue on West 9th Street, which used to be the hub of the uh, city's black commercial enterprises. So that should be interesting. We'll be right back with more Capital and Scott. Hi, this is Laura Farrar. The stories we dive into on Capitol and Scott are just a fraction of the reporting the Democrat Gazette brings to readers every day. If you'd like to support our commitment to bringing you the latest in Arkansas news, sports, and entertainment, consider subscribing to the Democrat Gazette. With your subscription, you'll get a digital edition of the newspaper every morning, along with the latest news and updates delivered to you on an iPad provided at no extra cost. For just $34 a month, you'll get the same award-winning journalism you've come to expect from the Democrat Gazette, plus exclusive photo galleries, videos, articles, and digital extras like this podcast, all in the palm of your hand. To sign up today, call 1-800-482-1121 or visit us online at arkansasonline.com forward slash subscribe. Welcome back to Capital and Scott. So what do you think has driven the change in the art scene here? You know, a lot of cities, I mean, you're, you're seeing it even right now in El Dorado, for example, with the development of the Murphy Arts District, to an extent, maybe a little bit Fort Smith, they've had the, the mural project. Cities see arts as a good thing to have. It drives potentially more interest in the uh, jobs, people moving sure. to the city. Was there, did that happen here in it the past? It happened here. It's a quality of life issue. It has a lot to do with companies looking to see, especially when they're looking to move into a community, what the support is for things like the arts, because 
they are both economic drivers and indications of uh, quality of life. You mentioned uh, El Dorado, Portsmouth. Uh, Pine Bluff is going through a major arts renaissance now. The uh, Arts and Science Center for Southeast Arkansas is expanding into a couple of uh, uh, additional venues that, in the neighborhood and, and expanding their arts footprint. In a lot of cases, uh, for example, Texarkana, where uh, H. Ross Perot was a major supporter of the arts for many years, and a lot of the, uh, the theater, for example, is named for him. You're seeing it in Fayetteville especially in Northwest Arkansas in general, where the Walton family is uh, creating a, a whole new arts footprint with the Crystal Bridges Museum at its center. But also you're seeing a lot of support for Walton Arts Center and its associated programs uh, throughout the region, Bentonville, uh, Fayetteville, Rogers. The building of the Walmart Amphitheater in Rogers uh, now allows for major touring acts to come through. You know, you're seeing... Uh, Especially this summer, in, in the wake of the pandemic, a lot of touring shows that didn't happen over the last couple of years are all of a sudden showing up three or four of them a week at the amphitheater. It's, a, it's an embarrassment of riches almost. Again, it, it drives uh, uh, economies. You see corporate uh, sponsorship of the arts increasing. We mentioned the symphony. They're uh, in the midst also of a capital campaign, New Arkansas Symphony, to build a new facility here in town. It'll be uh, basically oriented toward their education programs, but it'll allow them to set up a new uh, uh, office complex for their management and uh, administration. It basically uh, is a recognition of the importance of the arts in general, and again, as a, a dri- an economic driver in particular. One of the things that you look at, for example, is that when you're coming into a, a town like Little Rock to see whether you're going to open your company headquarters here, again, you've got a professional symphony orchestra, you have a professional equity repertory theater, you have six or seven subsidiary theaters around the town, you have an opera company, you have a ballet company, you have uh, two public radio stations, one of which is uh, news and information, the other is 24-7 classical music. You don't find those everywhere. That's exceedingly rare. One of the things that uh, I think was kind of a driving force was the opening of the Clinton Library, which put this town on the map in so many respects. You also look at the things like the thriving restaurant scene, where restaurants have become a a form of entertainment. People go out to eat where they didn't used to do that. You you see such a a wider variety of ethnic restaurants and, and... available high-end places. Again, you know, it's just something that you look at in terms of how life develops here uh, in many ways. uh, uh, I think that, again, you know, the 1990s when Bill Clinton was president, really, most a lot of people in this country had no idea where Little Rock was, and if they did, it was purely related to the 1957 desegregation crisis. On the one hand, I could see how more towns and cities in Arkansas pushing for a greater arts scene could lead to more growth in Little Rock. More competition leads to better infrastructure and whatnot, more more emphasis on trying to make things even more vibrant here. But on the other hand, could there be too many arts things happening around the state? Is there enough of a population to support it? 
And Arkansas, uh, Little Rock rather, is you know in the central part of the state. Fort Smith is a feeder for Oklahoma. Uh, you be a lot of people who you know rely on even grocery stores in Fort Smith. Not so much Little Rock, obviously. El Dorado is more northern Louisiana. Uh, of course, you have Memphis, and then you have obviously Rogers, Bentonville, Fayetteville area with Crystal Bridges and all of that Walton family money, you know, the Walmart family obviously being poured in there. I could see where it could stand to benefit, but also hurt Little Rock at the same time. Well, it does and it doesn't. I think up to now, at least, there has been enough room for all of these places to compete. You will see some competition, for example, for touring productions. And for example, if you look at the the spectrum across the state, you see the stuff that Celebrity Attractions is bringing into Little Rock. Part of that is the, the rebuilding of Robinson Center, uh, which has expanded its possible footprint for the kinds of shows you can bring in there. Uh, it enabled, for example, the celebrity attractions to bring in the Lion King, which would never have fit into the old hall. A Hamilton, Wicked, Phantom of the Opera, Les Miserables. And then you take a look at, for example, you're competing against that establishment to bring in shows to Walton Arts Center in Fayetteville, which does not have the seating capacity, but... You're seeing some of those same shows pattern out. Hamilton, for example, went there after it left here. But you're also seeing that they can be a little more innovative in terms of the productions that they offer. They're just now in the middle of production of a chorus line that's about to go on tour and starting there. And you see that happen occasionally. There's been three or four productions in the past couple of years where they have started tours in Fayetteville for one reason or another, whatever that production facility is, allows them to do that both practically and financially, whereas you wouldn't think about renting Robinson Center to start a tour of a production. It would be probably not financially practical. There are lots of touring productions that are really too small to come into Robinson, and you see them coming into the uh, uh, UCA facility, uh, Reynolds Performance Hall in Conway. That's a 1,200-seat facility, and sometimes what you see are shows nearing the ends of tours where they've already worked the bigger cities and now they're kind of ending up a, a one or two performances in, in Conway. You don't see the too many of the touring productions come through El Dorado yet, but that facility there is primed for those kinds of shows. I think you'll see more of them come in there, especially because you've got the Murphy Oil money uh, supporting that operation. Uh, I, I think they have not yet thought about extending the reach of that to Broadway shows, but you could. Uh, El Dorado also has a, uh, that South Arkansas Arts Center that does its own theatrical productions. You might see some of those flowing into the Murphy Arts District down the line. So I think at the moment there's enough interest and enough money to cover that level of competition. Maybe down the line, who knows? So looking at Little Rock right now, we're coming out of the pandemic. Shows are starting again. People can go and watch them. Would you say the health of, of the, the scene is, I, how would you rate it uh, in terms of completely vibrant and great or we're not sure yet? 
I think it's completely, or close to completely vibrant. You're also starting to see, for example, new theater companies sprout up. There's two or three of those on the blocks. Uh, ben Grimes is starting a theater group that's uh, going to aim a little bit toward uh, uh, socially conscious theater uh, as a form of treatment for uh, veterans with PTSD. But of course, those productions will benefit everybody. There's a, another fledgling group called the Actors Theater that's uh, just getting started. They're going to open with Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream uh, a couple of months down the line. You don't see new theater companies sprout up at, at times when things are hard. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, not all of those places. Uh, the theaters, you know, when you think about, it, you know, you've got the Studio Theater, you've got the Weekend Theater, you've got uh, University of Arkansas, Little Rocks Theater, Pyramid Theater. These two new groups, there probably are a couple others, you know, that are a little bit further under the radar. Maybe in the long term, not all of those groups will survive. But in the meanwhile, you know, it's it's anybody's ballgame. Well, Eric, thank you so much for your time. Sure. This has been really interesting. And one final very quick question for our listeners. You are usually in the annual production of A Christmas Carol over in Argenta. Are you planning on doing that again this year? Well, they're not doing Christmas Carol. Oh, uh, it, okay. was a, it was a five-year run, a year which was shortened out by the pandemic. I'm not sure what they're doing this Christmas, but uh, I, I probably won't be involved in that. But they are doing the producers in the spring, so we'll see how that works out. Great. Thank you so much. We recorded this episode the week before the 4th of July. Right after the recording, the Arkansas Museum of Fine Arts announced that its grand opening would be sometime in the spring of 2023. Thanks for listening. We'll be taking a break next week for some time off, but we'll be back with a new episode on July 20th.